the nice thing about, about going to a faith church is, uh, and, and, you know, we say it's a faith church, but that doesn't really mean, to me, all that means is we like the Word of God, you know. It's not really that we're, we're odd and unique, you know, as far as we're doing something that's different in the Word. It's really, here's what the Word says, and let's follow the Word, you know. So we call it a faith church. Uh, and, uh, you know, every now and then you get out in the, in the world and <coughs> you get to see and hear other Christians and Sometimes I just wonder about folks, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm not mad at anybody or not trying to judge anybody about anything. But sometimes you wonder, have you ever read the Bible? You know, you ever just actually opened up the Bible and just read anything in the Bible, anything. Right. Uh, and um, uh, it's really easy in the church to substitute the spirit of God for the emotions, uh, and especially in a Pentecostal world. Right. We live in a Pentecostal world. Uh, we believe in speaking in tongues and signs and wonders and diverse miracles and laying on ha- laying hands on the sick and all of that. But it seems like it's just really easy for us to, instead of walking in the spirit like we're supposed to, to walk in, in our emotions. And <clears throat> uh, we love to to have emotional um, uh, experiences and uh, and almost really use our emotions as an excuse to not walk by faith. Uh, and <clears throat> and it's uh, you know who gave us our emotions. Well, the Lord did, right? So, you know, it's it's okay to have emotions. And, you know, just like with uh, uh, Mr. Johnny, Miss Nancy, you know, they'll have emotions of grief and sorrow in, in this time of uh, dealing with their family members. But they still are people of faith, amen? Uh, and, um, you know, that sorrow will, will eventually fade and, and they'll have the joy, the memories of the people that uh, they've lost and, and they'll move on. And because people of faith, you know, it, it's not, they don't get stuck in that situation forever, right? Now, some people, they get stuck in that, emotional experience and that's that's everything that they have is just that emotional experience uh but i was just thinking about these verses here in uh, mark chapter four and of course this is one of my favorite stories and we go through this but it's just it was just on my heart today and i thought uh, we would mention it again uh but this is jesus here it says in, in verse 35 of mark chapter four it says in the same day when evening was come he said unto them let us pass over unto the other side uh, and when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the winds beat into the ship so that it was now full. <clears throat> and so uh, so this verse right here, verse 37, a lot of people stop right there and, and they live in verse 37. And in their in their hearts, you know, the, their life is this storm. Uh, but. This is not your life. This is just uh, the storm are the things that, that try to come into your life. Uh, and, and so a lot of people, when they get to verse 37, go, yeah, that's me right there. And in their hearts, you know, they're, they're battling the storm and the winds are raging. And, you know, the, the, the sea is, is uh, uh, smashing up against their boats and they're barely making it through. And, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're dragging through just, you know, uh, barely going to survive this war in the storm. And, uh, and you know, um, uh, you know, when I get out of bed in the morning, my hair looks exactly the same way it looks like when I went to bed, right? But, you know, sometimes when Chris gets up out of in the morning, her hair is just all wild, you know, and just, just in every direction. And, and that's the way some Christians are in their life. You know, you, they just walk in the door and it's like, whoa, you know, what happened? Well, life, you know, this, I'm going through a raging storm right now. And, and you can see it, right? And just their hair is wild and their clothes are tattered and they're, you know, they got, you know, all, all kinds of wounds and scars and everything. And, because verse 37 says that it was a great storm and winds beat into the ship. So there's now full and sinking and, you know, and the emotions rise up and, and, and they're just, oh, it's just it's I don't know if I'm going to make it. It's so hard, you know, and 
Then they sing songs of what's the song, you know, the anchor held, you know, and and <laughs> uh, and, and uh, but then but then verse thirty eight happens and says, where was Jesus? It says he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Now you know when so many Christians when they go through life storms, you know they're hanging on. You know I'm thinking, you know they're hanging on the podium and they're going to make it through and. But then you look at Jesus, you know, I was just thinking about this. This is, this is Jesus right here uh, battling the storm. How y'all doing? That's Jesus, right? We're hanging on to the podium, barely making it, you know, because a storm's going to drag us through and bury us, and we're going to sink and maybe almost drown, but we'll make it, you know. But, it, you know, but our hair is wild, you know, and our clothes are ripped, and, you know, we've got just you know, destruction everywhere. And, uh, but Jesus just, hey, how's it going? Out there, you know, a storm, but, you know, Jesus, there's no storm inside of Jesus. He just is full of peace during the storm, after the storm, before the storm, when there's no storm, when there's all the storms. He's, he's all right, you know. You know, Jesus never sings, you know, and the anchor held, you know. When the ship's battered and the sails are torn and, <laughs> you know, it's all I could do to just keep from laughing when people, you know, I'm not making fun of people's problems, you know, at all. There's the real storms in people's lives, right? Real storms. But how do we handle them? People of faith just, hey, how's it going? You know, uh, we, we, we've got, right now we've got three cats. You know, we've got one visiting cat, you know, but we've got one cat, you know, his name is Mr. Wilford, and um, we call him a cool cat. Because no matter what, he's just, you know, something happens, you know, usually a loud sound happens, and every cat scatters, you know, for three blocks. And uh, Mr. Wilford's like, yo, I mean, he just, he, just, he just doesn't get upset about things. You know, he just chill. He just, we call him the chill cat. He just... You know, a lot of cats, you, you make any sound at all, and they just tear, you know, they're, they're in terror and running away. And that's the way most Christians are. They just want something happens, and they're just, ah! You know, their, their hair stands up in the back of their head, and they're just, you know, running through the streets, you know, hands flailing in the air. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And Wilford's just like, yo. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of the way Jesus is, you know. Uh, you reckon Jesus went through any storms? I mean, he's literally going through a storm right now. I mean, literally going through a storm. And, and how was he reacting? Hey, how's it going? What's for lunch? Uh, you know, it, the storms don't get inside of him. But Christians, you know, it's, it seems like they really struggle with walking in faith. Because is Jesus still Jesus? Is he still the Lord? Is he still on the throne? Is he still our shield and buckler and, and our, our great high tower? Is he still the one who protects and delivers and oversees and fills and empowers? He's still that Jesus. Amen. Has he stopped being that Jesus? You know, so Christians think that you're just kind of crazy if a storm's coming and you're just like, hey, how's it going? Oh, you ain't got nothing going on in your life. And then you pull back the curtains. You see this right here. You know, this is what Jesus was going through right now. Uh, right now, in the middle of a storm, where's he at? Why are you asleep? Well, you know, it's kind of an obvious answer, but I was a little tired. You know, you know he's not sleeping because he's trying to hide from the storm. He's just sleeping because... Well, one thing, it's, it's the middle of the night, right? And what should you be doing in the middle of the night? Well, you should be sleeping, right? So what's Jesus doing? Oh, I couldn't, get, I couldn't sleep at all. I, I hadn't slept in days, you know. Uh, well, well, Jesus did, you know. Uh, and so, number one, we are never singing the anchor held around here because the ship's battered, tails, sails are torn, and, you know, I'm barely making it. I might sink. I might not, you know, more likely. You know, but Jesus... You know, and, and I'm so broken and battered and beat up and scarred and wounded and, and uh, 
I thought Jesus healed the brokenhearted. If he healed the brokenhearted, you got any scars? Is he is he is he a, a God who heals, but there's scars left behind? No, I mean, so are these verses real? Uh, can we not live this way? If Jesus lived this way, do we not have the right to live this way? When the storm comes, they're just like, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, anybody knows the storm out there? Uh, and on the inside, we're just as at peace. And, uh, you know, it doesn't mean that our emotions don't, you know, that uh, he said weep with those who weep and, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. You know, there's times of weeping and, and no doubt and the things happen, right? And Jesus wept, right? There were times when, when he wept. and But uh, the, those were not... Uh, his emotions were not what controlled his life. Uh, and, and, you know, just because the storm's happening here, there was no need for any emotions in this scenario because it's just a storm. It didn't really affect him any. It, you know, I mean, the, so what? The ship's full. He said, we're going to the other side. There's no way it could sink. It has to, it has to go to the other side. Uh, and, I, you know, I just want to encourage you to, you know, not allow the religious mindset of the church that we have to, live by our emotions and when when these things happen that you know that somehow it's almost like bragging rights that you know oh look at all the battle scars i've got and look at all these wounds i've got and look at all the difficulties i've got and i'm such a broken and battered person and you know, and uh, jesus wasn't that way you know how many devils he probably had to deal with all of his ministry in life uh, more than probably will ever know about more than we'll ever have to deal with ourselves no doubt and yet he just was just asleep on the, in the pillow. Amen. There was no singing the songs of, you know, of destruction and death and doom. And, you know, just, uh, I mean, some people, you listen to them and, and, and they talk about the devil way more than about Jesus. You know, they talk about how the devil's beating him up here and how the devil's broken him here and how the devil's, uh, you know, attacking him here and attacking him there. And, uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's just, it's just so, so religious. And just so not of faith and so not of with the word, you know, I mean, we say it's a faith, but it's just the word. Amen. Just here's here's one of the greatest stories. I think this is one of the greatest stories uh, uh, of Jesus ministry as far as us helping to walk by faith and understanding how we walk by faith. Uh, and uh, uh, and look, I mean, if there's been times when your hair's wild, and your hair, clothes are tattered and, you know, you can't change that. But uh, let's have a goal. Well, Lord, if you in the midst of the great storm. If you're just relaxed and at peace, Lord, then I can be relaxed and at peace in the midst of the great storm. Amen. Uh, and uh, uh, we ain't singing them songs, you know, about death and destruction and making it barely getting by, you know. And there ain't no songs that we're singing. God is God. Amen. And he's on the throne and he ain't left the throne. And uh, if he's on the throne, then, then aren't we seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Then if we're seated with him, then we're sitting on the throne. Amen. Uh, yeah, it's a little throne, but it's still, you know, we're 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 um, uh, kings and priests in the earth. Amen. Uh, and so. I was just thinking about that. I, I love uh, Mark chapter four. Amen. We are people of faith. We overcome. No devil can overcome us. No, no situation or storm can can uh, cause us to sink. Uh, we always have the answer. He's our shield, our buckler, our, our high tower. We cannot fail and we cannot be overcome. And, and I say that just to myself on a regular basis. I cannot, I, I cannot be overcome, and I cannot fail. Well, why, why is that true? Well, if anything is true in the Bible, that's true. Amen? Don't we have the name of Jesus? Don't we have the Word of God? Don't we have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives on the inside of me right now. The same Spirit that, that created everything you see 
The power, you think about how much power it took to create everything you see. You know, it, it's technically possible uh, from a scientific standpoint to create matter, to create things, to create grass, right? To create trees and stuff. The problem is that it would take so much nuclear power to do that. It was beyond imagination how much, you, how much power it would take to create the atoms that make up the, the trees and the grass and the dirt and the sky and the air. Now, it could be done, but the amount of power is, is, is effectively infinite. And yet that same power that created all that, he's got the same power, the ability to do that, to put all of these atoms together, lives on the inside of you right now. Everywhere you go, that same power. You know, just one blade of grass would take more energy than we've ever produced in, in all of the history of mankind to create one blade of grass. And yet the Spirit of God does that every day. Uh, he lives inside of you every day. Right now, that same power. So, so how limited is that power in our life? I mean, there's no limit to that amount of power. Amen? Uh, and he's, he's in you. So, you know, it just, uh, uh, and of course, I know around here, we, we don't really do that. We don't really, you know, sing songs like, you know, the anchor held and, you know, all that stuff. And just, I mean, it just, you know, you just, it just tugs at your heartstrings. Oh, you know, it just, we're, he said, uh, the Bible said, my Bible says that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and truth, not with emotions and truth. Amen. Our goal is not to pull your heartstrings, you know. That doesn't mean your emotions can't be involved in worship. But, but uh, if we only elevate our emotions in worship, then we're not worshiping God the way he desires us to worship him. Amen. He desires to worship him by our, by our spirit, man. Amen. And so what's living on the inside of you right now? Great power. Amen. Great power right now. Uh, that uh, uh, can withstand any storm at all. Amen? Uh, and usually when they talk about the, the ship's battered and the sails are torn, they're, they're implying that that's you. Well, uh, you know, uh, I ain't got no torn sails at all. You know, uh, I'm a child of the living God. Amen? Uh, and so, so, praise God, we can use the example that Jesus gave us. Amen? And we can be uh, just like Jesus and just at peace in the midst of the storm. And if you look at Jesus, only if you only looked at Jesus in the story, there's no evidence of a storm. There's no evidence looking at Jesus that he's even going through a storm. And yet, is he going through a storm? He's going through a great storm. You look at some people, you go, wow, wonder what they've been through, right? <laughs> so uh, the Lord is good, amen? Uh, is he still on the throne? If, then, uh, if he's still on the throne, then we're all right, amen? So let's stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. Of all the Lord's. You stand alone, Father, as the Great One of the earth, Father, the Great One of heaven. Father, you live on the inside of me. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, Father. Thank you, Father. Dwells in me, Father. That makes you worthy for all praise and honor, Father. All glory, Father. You're the great King, and we worship you. You're the great Lord, and we worship you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for being so great and big in our lives. For being so great and big in the earth, Father. Father, there's no mountain that can stand before you. Father, there's no tree. There, there's no 
created thing, Father, that can stand in the way of the presence of God. That includes in the realm of the natural and the realm of the spirit, Father. There's no devil, no demons, Father. Not even Lucifer himself, Father, can stand before the presence of Almighty God. Father, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you, Father. And Father, if there's nothing that can stand in the presence of Almighty God, then Father, there's nothing that can stand in our way because the presence of Almighty God lives on the inside of us. We are carriers of the great presence of God. Father, every time that your presence manifested itself, people fell to the ground and worshiped Father. People fell to the ground because they were powerless to stand in your presence. Father, that power lives on the inside of us. As your children, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you. We give you the praise and honor for these things. We thank you for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Is the Lord good? We thank the Lord for for being good to us. Amen. Being kind towards us. So, we've been talking about uh, uh, fainting in our minds. And, of course, the Bible has a lot to say about that. And let's turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. It's kind of our foundation scripture. and, And, you know, a lot of times the Lord will give me uh, sometimes just a verse, and then I've got to take that verse and, and do my part, which is to study it out and to, and to uh, you know, Lord, what is it that you want us to say from this verse? And, and uh, most of the time, it's a whole lot more than, than you would think you can find in one verse. But uh, how long were we on, on the verse for overcoming? Well, we were on that verse a long time because there's a lot in that, inf- in that the verse there. And here we are in First Peter chapter 2, and he says in verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the what? War against the soul, right? So, so we know that God is a spirit. We know that the devil is a spirit. But the battleground, the, the location where the war occurs is in your soul. And we know uh, because of folks like Brother Hagen had spent the years and the de- decades to understand what the soul is, that the soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions. What you think, right? Uh, what you decide to do and how you feel. That's what makes up the soul. So your spirit man is the part of you that gets born again. Your spirit man is the part that contains the spirit of God. Um, and you are your spirit. That's who God made you is your spirit. And that spirit that you are is contained in this physical body called the flesh uh, and along with that spirit, you have a soul. So, you know, the, the way, they, the, the way they, they say many times is you are a spirit, you, you live in a body and you have a soul. Or maybe it is you, you are a spirit, you have a soul and you live in a body. So, and that's a good way to kind of summarize how God made you, right? You are a spirit. Uh, you have a soul uh, and you live in a body. So that means if you have a soul, that means it's not what controls you, but it's there. It's, it's God-given. God gave it to you. God gave you your emotions. Now, now, we can twist that, right, by being led by anger, or being led by jealousy, or being, being um, buried in the depths of depression. But God didn't give you uh, that. You know, he gave you the emotions. And then 
what you do with it then is your choice, amen? Because in the middle of all that is your will. And people say you can't just choose not to feel bad. You can choose to feel any way you want to feel, uh, anytime you want to feel, amen? It's your choice. Uh, any doctrine that says you don't have a choice is not correct doctrine, amen? You can choose, you know, people say, well, you can't help who you love. You can choose who you love. You can choose who you don't love, amen? Uh, because it's a choice. Well, you can't decide that. You get 100% you get to decide that. Because love, the, the, God, the human love, is an emotion. Uh, and so, you know, uh, you don't love some stranger that lives on the backside of, of Washington State, do you? Well, I don't love them because I don't know them. Well, that's how you get to love somebody is you get to know them. If you never met them, you would never love them. You know, love at first sight. That's probably more like lust at first sight than anything, right? Uh, but, you know, a lot of times you'll meet somebody for the first time and, and uh, you have common interests, common goals, common thoughts about things and, and there's a there's an emotional connection there but that wouldn't have happened until you met them and, and spoke to them but you still get to choose amen now you may like them uh, but you know the, the world loves to 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 uh, restrict your will to tell you that you don't have a choice well you can't help who you love 100 percent, you get to choose who you love amen uh, well i just fell out of love with them no you didn't fall out of love with them you just chose not to love them anymore you don't fall out of love with somebody you just chose not to love them anymore. Uh, it's, not, it, it's not something that, that just happens and you have no, no uh, choice in the matter. You get a choice in the matter every day. Amen. Uh, we, we live by the word of God. We don't live by the emotions of, of the world. We don't live by the psychology of the world. We live by the word of God. The love of God, the, the true love of, uh, is the love of God, the agape love. And that never runs out. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, really, the best thing to do is, is when you're deciding who to marry is not how you feel about it. It's it's what's the will of God. Yes. Uh, and then the feelings follow the will of God. If you're if you're a man or woman of faith. Amen. amen. Your feelings will follow the the uh, the, the uh, will of God. Now, the world doesn't live that way. The world lives by, well, you know, I love you today, but I don't love you tomorrow. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's fickle. Uh, and I can't tell you how many people have gotten divorced because I just don't love them anymore. You know, I'm trying to love them. I just can't love them anymore. It's just a decision. You can choose to love them or not love them. Amen. Uh, and, and, um, and so you have to make a choice. Amen. amen. Uh, and if you want to be happy, you choose to follow the will of God. Amen. That's, a, that's the only way that you can be happy. And so the war, the battleground in your life is in your soul. It's, it's trying to get you to think certain things, trying to get you to feel certain things, and trying to get you to decide certain things. That's the battleground. And really the root of it is, is uh, the, 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 the core that the devil is trying to achieve is to get you to decide what, what he wants you to decide. And he, he may do that through your thought life. He may do that through your emotions. But the, the root of it is he's got to get you to make a decision or to la uh, not make a decision. Sometimes a lack of a decision is, is a decision, right? Uh, and so... Uh, the, but the battleground is in, is in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And, and how successful in your, in your, uh, that you are in this life will be entirely measured by how successful you are in the battleground of your soul. Uh, and so if you want to be a successful Christian, then learn to keep your soul in, in line with the Word of God and in your spirit. Uh, if you want to be a normal Christian like everybody else, then just let your soul have its way. Just let your soul run around and do whatever it wants to, right? Uh, I think... Uh, uh, what, what was the psalm that you mentioned earlier about your soul? It is, not, it is well with my soul. Uh, but uh, you mentioned a psalm earlier. You'll think about it after a while there, right? Uh, uh, and, uh, but uh, um, but the, the psalmist has a lot of things to say about his soul. It is well with my soul. Well, 
That's just a decision. It is well with my soul. He didn't say it's well with my soul because everything is fine. He said it's well with my soul because I choose to decide that it's well with my soul. Amen. You choose to decide if it's well with your soul or not. You choose to decide whether it's well in your emotions or not. Uh, again, the world, even the medical industry, say you can't decide. 100% you can decide. We live by the faith of the word of God. We don't live by what the world declares because the world's always looking for an excuse to not ever uh, live by faith. The world's always looking for an excuse. Well, I can't help it. Uh, and the church has picked up on that. I can't help it. Well, you, well, you can uh, 100% help it every single time. There's not a single exception that you cannot help it. Because if it's true that you can't help it, then God is not God. And his power is unable to overcome it in, in any situation. His power is limited. If that's true, that you can't help it, then God's power is limited. Amen? No, you can always help it. Amen? There's not a single time that you didn't help it that you couldn't have helped it. Amen? Hey, we, I, I, just, I just had to say that. No, you didn't. I, I, just, couldn't, I, I just couldn't help myself. Sure you could. Uh, so much of the world, we, so much of the time in the church, we live by excuse. Uh, and, and we live that way because we don't want to be guilty of our own shortcomings. No, you need to own it. If, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you got mad, own it. Well, I just got mad. Uh, you know, I chose to get mad. Well, okay, then that's true. You can own that, right? But if you said, I couldn't help getting mad, not true. But why do you say that? Well, you, you and me both say that because we don't want to be guilty for us uh, flying off the handle, right? Uh, and, you know, I was talking to somebody one time. Well, you know, we get along pretty good, but, you know, every now and then you just can't help it. You just got to throw it. You've got to throw a coffee table every now and then. And they said something like that, something that affects some, you know, some, you can't help it. Just you got you to throw a coffee table every now and then. You know how many coffee tables have been thrown in my house? Zero, right? I mean, I don't throw coffee tables in my house, right? Uh, there, there are no frying pans flying through the air, right? Uh, you know, uh, uh, we go in some places and there's literally holes in the wall where somebody gets mad and busts a, ho- bust a hole in the wall with their fist, you know, or doors, you know. We go in some places and uh, we went in some place. They had no doors left in our house. None, zero doors in the house. Every door had been kicked in and ba- bashed. Not a single, can you imagine? Every single door, right? No doors in your house. <laughs> well, I just couldn't help it. No, you're a doorless person, right? Uh, no, uh, you can help it every single time. Amen. You know how many doors I have to replace in my house? Ever. That's zero, right? I've never had to replace a door, right? Uh, and uh, I, used to have, uh, I, I used to have this uh, one screen door uh, on a house. And it was just, it was, the house was situated just so that the wind would come right across the front of the house. And so you kind of, if you left that screen door open a little bit, that wind would just grab that screen door and just nearly rip it off the hinges, right? And it'd bend all, you know, all the little plungers. It's got to hold the thing on there, you know. Uh, and, and it uh, ripped out two, two or three times. And finally, I got like a quarter-inch plate of aluminum uh, metal and bolted it to the house and then bolted the house to the foundation and then bolted that door to that strip of aluminum. Uh, and uh, the winds howled and never pour, tore that thing off again, right? We just... Uh, bolted it to the to the whole foundation. So, uh, uh, but so many times uh, in in the Christian world, we live by excuse. We live by saying, "I can't help how I live." Uh, and, and if the Word of God is ever true, we've got to get to where we decide that the Word of God is more true than than what we say, and that we've got to stop living by excuses because you're never going to be a person of faith if you're always looking for a reason to not accept the guilt of whatever you've done. Uh, and it's not about beating people up or condemning anybody at all, but I want to get better than the person I am today. 
And you'll never be better than a person you are today if you're always making excuses for the way you live. Uh, because the only way that you can get better is if, if you acknowledge, Lord, for whatever reason, this thing over here bothers me. And, and I keep failing in this area. So uh, we need to do something about that. And, and he will. He'll help you do something about it. But if you're always saying, it's not my fault that that happened then there's nothing for the Lord to work on. There's no power that can help you change that if you're always making excuses uh, for, for the way that you're living or uh, whatever you're doing, amen? Uh, and so uh, we had talked about fainting, and, and let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. We're not going to go back all, all, all those things again, but, uh, but he said in verse 3, For consider him that endureth such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint, where? In your mind. So that's where you faint, right? You faint in your mind. You don't faint... Physically, you faint in your mind so that, so, so that your, your will is now just, uh, you're not making any decisions. You just go with whatever flow is going on in your life. So whatever your flesh and carnality is going on in your life, you just, you're, you're faint in your mind so that, so that your flesh can take over and do whatever it wants to do. Uh, because your will is, is the doorway to whether you're going to follow the Spirit or follow your flesh. Uh, you, it's your will. Specifically, it's your will, what you choose to do. Uh, and if your mind will faint, if your will will faint, then it's just going to go with the flesh. It's going to go with whatever, whatever, um, um, whatever current is going on in your life. Uh, and that's where the devil is trying to get you, to faint in your mind. So notice you don't, you're not fainting in your spirit because your spirit can't faint. It's empowered by the Spirit of God. It will never faint. And if you would know that, then you would always hang on to whatever your spirit's doing and you'll be okay. Uh, but see, the devil's trying to get you to, that's where the, the, right, the war of your soul. He's trying to get you, you to faint in your mind uh, so that, in this case, he's going to get you to sin, right? Or to do something outside the will of God. Uh, and every, every sin has been preceded by you fainting in your mind. Every time you've missed God anywhere in your life, it's been preceded by you first fainting in your mind. I just, you know, I just, I, I, I just have to do that. Well, it's not true, but that's what we say. That's what we think. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and he said, you've not resisted unto blood yet, striving against sin. So there's really no excuse, right? I, I couldn't help it. Well, is that true? Uh, none of us have resisted unto the shedding of blood yet uh, against sin. And yet, you know, oh, you know, that last cookie, I, just, I had to eat it. You know, I, I couldn't help it. But, you know, you really could help it. You just didn't want to help it. You know, you wanted to eat that last cookie. And it's fine, right? Eat the cookie. You know, I don't care. It's your, not my cookie, right? Uh, and so I'm a big fan of cookies. But, um, uh, but I've not resisted on the blood striving against cookies, have, have I? Uh, neither have you, right? But, uh, you know, now I, I used to eat a whole rack of, of uh, uh, Oreos. Give me a you know, bag of Oreos and a gallon of milk. There's going to be sin in the house in no time at all, right? Uh, but I don't do that anymore because I don't want my flesh to, to have that, that joy. Now, I, you know, I can eat a cookie or two, you know, maybe three or four, you know, uh, you know, but um, uh, five or six or, you know, I don't know what the number is. There's no number when you hit sin, right? It's not eight cookies are good, nine cookies are sin. You know, it's just, you know, wherever the number is, that's, where, that's between you and the Lord Jesus, right? Uh, but, uh, but I've not resisted on the blood against those, those, those Oreos, right? There's not any been blood shed in my house against an Oreo. Uh, but so, so, but we love to, well, we love to elevate that though. Oh, it's so big. Nobody could withstand it, but it's not even close to this. It's not even close to what Jesus suffered in the garden, right? Uh, because he knew everything he was going to go through. 
and you know, we don't really know as, as much as Jesus knew about what the end result of our sin is, but Jesus knew. Uh, and and, that, and that, that's the issue, right? And then let's turn over to Romans chapter 7. Uh, and Because um, we've got to look at a couple of other areas of fainting. Because it's not always just fainting against sin. There's other areas where we faint in our lives. But it's all the same warfare in your soul. And so in Romans chapter 7, Paul says here at the end of the chapter, he says, I find then in verse 21, uh, a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. You ever notice that? Every time I try to do good, it seems like there's this, there's a temptation to not do good. Well, welcome to the human race. That's exactly what Paul said right here, right? And I thank God that Paul wrote this because uh, a lot of people act like Christians never struggle. And, you know, I never fail. I never do anything wrong. And if you're failing, you're just, you're just a horrible person. And yet Paul said that, that uh, uh, earlier on in, in, um, in the chapter there, uh, in verse 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. What he hates, he's doing. You ever done something and just hated that you just did that? Well, Paul didn't say this happened a thousand years ago. This is present tense, right? That which I hate, I do, right? He's not talking about something, you know, a thousand years ago. Now, he's not a sinner backslidden against the will of God, but there are things, and we don't know what they are. He doesn't tell us the specifics, but he's saying that every now and then he's doing things that he hates. Isn't that what he's saying? And we're not making it up. That's what the Paul, the great apostle Paul is saying, that he's, he, he's doing things right now that he hates. And, and of course, it's not necessary to, to know what those specific things are. But, you know, so many ministers put you in the, in the grave and in hell for making a mistake. And yet, this is the Apostle Paul making mistakes right in front of us. Right here, Romans chapter 7, he's making mistakes. Uh, and, and what are they? It doesn't matter what they are. They, they're there. You ever made a mistake? You're going to die and go to hell because you made that mistake? I mean, people all the time just, uh, you, make that, you make this particular sin, you're going to die and go to hell. Well, about that sin over there? Well, no, not that sin because I'm doing that one. But this one over here that I'm not doing, that one's going to send you to hell. But any one that I'm doing, not going to send you to hell, right? I mean, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like, okay, so whatever you're, you know, not, you're not preaching against, you reckon they're doing those right over there? I mean, we don't know what they are, but, uh, you know, and I'm not anybody's judge at all. But um, why, are we, why are we sending sins going to send you to hell? You know, we know, of course, you've been around here. What's the only sin that sends you to hell? Not accepting Jesus, right? That's the only sin that sends you to hell. That's the only one. Uh, and, well, what about, what about cheating on your taxes? Nope. You know, well, if cheating on your taxes doesn't send you to hell. What about, you know, uh, committing adultery? Does that send you to hell? Nope. Now, you might check out on this life earlier, right? Now, is sin good for you? No, sin is not good for you. Well, can sin end your natural life early? Sure it can. So, uh, but is your eternal destiny determined by what you do? No, it's determined by, by the decision you made to accept Jesus or not accept Jesus. That's your eternal destiny. Uh, and then how well you live in this life is determined by how close to the will of God you live. So if you live in the perfect will of God, how much sin are you committing? Not committing any sin, right? Uh, and if you're not living in the perfect will of God, then are you committing some sins? Well, apparently you are because Paul said right here that he, the things that he hates, he's doing. Uh, and he says, uh, now uh, it is uh, in verse 16, if then I do that which I would not, uh, I consent unto the law that it is good. In other words, there are absolutes. I consent that there is a law that is defining whether that's good or bad. Well, what law is it? 
It's not just the Old Testament law. It's the law of God, right? That he knows what's good and bad. And some people act like, well, there's no absolutes in life. There are absolutes in life. The word of God is the absolute of life. Uh, and, and, and in addition to that, the spirit of God is the one who gives the revelation of all the absolutes. And he will give us the revelation both in the word of God uh, to walk in love, for example. Is that, a, is, that a, is that a law of God, walk in love? Sure it is. Amen. But there may be things that the spirit of God says for you. Hey, I don't want you doing this. Well, that's not necessarily covered in the book, in the word of God, but it's still a law because it comes from God. Uh, and so there are plenty of things that the Spirit of God says, hey, I, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you hanging around that person. I don't want you going to that place. He, you know, I was driving by the, this, uh, this dive. You know, these dives, right? They're, they're like pool halls and, you know, they look like a dive, right? They're dark and they got, you know, uh, uh, scary people going there and they serve alcohol. And, you know, I mean, none of my business. You do whatever you want to do, right? But you drive by there and go, well, that's a dive, uh, you know. Is, is every place that has a pool table a dive? Well, no, but you drive by, it's like, that's a dive. Well, how do you know it's a dive? Because you look at it, it looks like a dive, right? You know, I mean, there's some things you look at it, well, you don't have to have a, a, a rule or a law. You just go, well, that's a dive, you know, and I was just telling somebody about, you know, another Christian, hey, you know, look at that dive. Well, that's not a dive. They got really offended. Well, you know why they got offended? Because they go there. They go to that dive, you know, and it's, a, you know, it's in some places you ought just don't go, right? You ought, you ought to be able to look at it and go, I shouldn't go there, right? There are a lot of places, you know, people have said something to me as a Christian. Hey, you want to go there? I, I can't go there. Well, why not? I can't go there. The law of God won't let me go there. Amen. Well, well, well you know, you got any Bible for that? Yeah, I, I follow the spirit of God. That's my Bible for that. If the spirit of God says that's a dive, then I don't go there. Well, why not? Because the spirit of God says don't go there. You know, now what about me? None of, uh, you, you go there. If, if your spirit can let you go there, none of my business, right? Uh, and there may be places that you could go that I couldn't go. I don't know. Uh, but, um, uh, but I'm going to follow that which is good. Amen. I'm going to follow what's in my spirit, man. Amen. Uh, because I want to get to this point here at the end of the chapter, because I think it'll help us understand some things. Uh, he said uh, in verse 17, Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So in your physical body, there is a sin nature. And that's the source of all the sin in your life is going to come through that sin nature, that sin that dwells in you. Uh, and he says, uh, for I know that in me that is in my flesh. So, so Paul's given us some good insight about where this, this warfare is coming. In your flesh, right? Dwelleth no good thing. So if you're following your flesh, is it ever good? No, why? Because he says there's no good thing that dwells in it. And, and so many Christians live by their carnality. They live by their flesh, just whatever feels good. In fact, you know, I used to have a, uh, high school history teacher, Mr. Fisher, he would always walk around and say, whatever feels good, do it. Well, that was his philosophy, right? And, and what is he saying? Whatever your flesh wants to do, that's what you should do. Well, that person like that will never know the blessings of the will of God. Uh, because is there value in following God? Yes. You know, if we could ever believe that, I believe that 100%. I believe if I just follow the perfect will of God, I'll be the happiest, the healthiest, the most prosperous, the full of, full, more full of joy than I could ever imagine? Well, what are you going to have to give up? I don't even think about it in terms of what i got to give up. I think about it in terms of what can I do to please God. Uh, and see, people are always saying, weighing, weigh, they're always trying to weigh things out. Well, if I follow God, i got to give up, you know, A or B. But it's not about giving up A or B. If you're so full of God, you don't even think about A or B. Uh, and that's the, that's the issue is 
yeah, but I, I long for A or B. Well, that's only because you're not as full of the Spirit of God as you could be. How many times did the nation of Israel say, we had it better in Egypt? You know, I mean, uh, Moses parted the Red Sea. They walked across on dry land. Uh, spectacular miracles. Ten of the miracles that he saw with, with Moses and him parting the Red Sea spectacularly delivered from the greatest army of the world, walked across there, and then saw the army drown uh, behind them by the power of God. And then, and then weeks later, not, not years later, weeks later, you know, we had it better in Egypt. You mean when you were a slave, when they would beat you if you didn't, if they didn't, if you didn't meet the quota for that day, and they fed you dirt, right? And you lived, you lived as, as paupers and, and slaves without right of choice in your life. That was better than here in, the, in uh, following God's plan and, and you can talk to a rock and water comes out miraculously uh, and pray and God sends quail, just sends quail to your door. And then later on, just get up every morning and like magic, food is on your, is on, uh, is on your doorstep. You know, I keep trying to get that to happen in my house. Just wake up and food's magically there. It, it happened at my house yet. I'm looking for the manna. There's been no manna at my house, right? You got to get up and make your own breakfast, right? I mean, you're waiting for the manna, you know, it's, life is hard, right? You know, I would love to have been the, 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 uh, the nation of Israel there, right? Uh, and so, yeah, Chris is too, you know? <laughs> uh, and so, so, so people are thinking, what do I got to give up? You know, it just, that's just such, such a wrong question to ask. Because it's not about giving. If you will just pursue God, then those things that, that are not godly, they'll go away. And we're going to look at that in just a second there. Uh, he said, for I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And yet so many Christians, they'll do things that it's not any good. They, and they know it's not any good, but they want to do it. Why do they want to do it? Because their flesh wants to do it. Um, and, and so the, and what happens is their flesh wants to do it, their mind faints, and they go do it. Because if your mind wouldn't faint, they'd be like, I ain't doing that. You know, some Christians, you're like, hey, you want to go rob a bank? What are you talking about? I ain't doing that. Other people want to go rob a bank. What, what time do you want to start? What time are we meeting there? Right? Can I drive the getaway car? You know, some people, some Christians, you can just say the smallest little suggestion of sin. They're, oh, yeah, let's go right now. Why? Because their mind faints just like that. I mean, it's just this, it's so, their mind is so weak and so fragile that the least little thing, it, it faints. Uh, you know, they say, uh, you can go into like a, um, uh, you know, one of those big, big places where they, where they raise turkeys. And they said you can go and just take with a, a, a paper bag and just pop it. You know, you pop a paper, fill it up with air and pop it. And they said all the turkeys will faint. I mean, uh, why? Because they're weak in their mind, right? The turkeys are kind of dumb, right? Uh, and, and so uh, they just weak in their mind. There's one little thing. They're just, oh, and, and they're just all on the ground. And a lot of Christians are that way in their, in their spiritual life. At least the thing is like, oh, and they're passed out. Like, what? It just, it's just a little, it's a cookie. It's one cookie, right? I can't, I, just, I had to eat it, you know, and, and, and never resisting at all. Why? Because their flesh, they're so used to following their flesh. But see, it's not about what I got to give up. It's such a, such a lame, uh, such a lame argument about what, what I got to give up. You know, you already gave up everything when you accepted him as your Lord, right? When you said, Lord, that means I'm willing to give it all up. I mean, isn't that what Lord means? That somebody else is in charge of your life? You already gave it up by law, you know, by your own signature. You cho- nobody made you get born again. You chose to accept the Lord Jesus, amen? Uh, and so uh, if you would believe that his desire is for only your blessings, then, then it's easy to follow him, amen? He said, uh, for, the, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. You ever wanted to do good, but you just, 
I don't know. I don't even know how to do good. You know, I meet people like that all the time. And I tell folks, you know, I got a goal to help one of those people. I'm I'm batting zero out of a thousand so far, but I'm still going to keep trying to help one of these kind of people that just they have no no concept about how to do good. They can they know that there is good out there they should do, but they have no idea how to do it. Uh, And there are people that live that way all their life. They have no idea how to do it. They have no idea how to just have a good life, enjoy life, just get up and enjoy without without drama. Some people just. Uh, some people I know people that, that are that way that if there's no drama they'll go start drama because they can't live five days in a row without drama uh, because they don't know how to do good all they know is, is the drama that's in their life and they'll go stir it up if they, if they can't uh, uh, find any and he says for the good that I would I do not so he knows to do, and we all know right from wrong we all know especially if you're born again you have absolute rights and wrongs now the world you know, they, even moral sinners, they generally know right from wrong. They, they, they don't know as much as we know, but they, you know, they know that you don't, you know, kick baby seals and, you know, you don't steal candy from babies and, you know, you don't do certain things. Uh, uh, but he said, but the evil which I, which I would not, that I do. Again, this is the, Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul saying he's doing evil. Well, that means he's going to die and go to hell, right? Because you can't do evil and go to heaven. People all the time saying, if you do evil, you're going to go to heaven. But Paul just said, the evil which I would not, what, what, what's he doing? He's doing that. And then we said, I do it. Right? Now, is he doing it all the time? No, he's not backslidden from the Lord. But, but on occasion, every now and then, we don't know how often or when it is or what it looks like or uh, how long it is. But on occasion, Paul is doing some things that are ungodly. Now, ungodly is not, you know... Uh, stealing your grandmother's inheritance or anything. I mean, it's not always some horrible, terrible thing. Anything that, that's not perfect will of God is ungodly, right? If he wants you to go across the street and talk to your neighbor to help him out and you choose not to do it, well, that's ungodly, right? Because he asked you to do it. He wants you to do it. He said now in verse 20, now if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. So there's a sin nature in you, right? Uh, when he said, it is no more I, it's not your spirit man. When he said I, it's not much your spirit man. It's not your spirit man that sins. It's your flesh that sins. But it's still you, right? It's still, it's still uh, your responsibility. He said in verse 21, I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. And we all know that, right? It's like every time I want to do good, it's like this, this desire to go do wrong is there. Well, welcome to the human race. Uh, and see, a lot of people, that, that desire is so strong to do evil, they have, and their spirits are so weak, they have no concept of telling that desire no. They have no, no it just, if it feels good, I got to do it. If, 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 if I want to do evil, I just got to do evil. Uh, and you, you read about these people, you know, that, that have done horrible things, and they said, I just, that, that thought can't, I, could, I, I had to do it. That's not true. They just yielded to it, Amen. Because uh, and it, that's why I think Romans chapter seven is such a help to normal human beings, right? A lot of people want to live uh, uh, in uh, on cloud nine that they never struggle with any any evil thoughts or struggle with any uh, decisions to make uh, to do good or not do good. They act like you know they're not even part of the human race. But this is in right here in the middle of Romans, right? The book of Romans, one of the greatest books in all the Bible. Uh, he said. Uh, I, I find that a law which when I would do good, evil is present with me. But I, my spirit man, delight in the law of God after the inward man. 
Now, this is starting to help us right here because if you would learn to, de to delight, I love doing God's will. I love doing whatever God wants me to do, both in His Word and by His Spirit. I love following God's will because every time I do that, I'm always happiest, I'm always healthiest, I'm always the most prosperous, I'm always the most blessed. See, if you learn that that's true, which it is true, uh, then you would learn to delight in the law of God after your inward man. So whatever your spirit man wants to do, man, I've got to do that. Uh, you know, my friends want me to do this thing over here that's bad, but my spirit man, I want to do this thing over here. I want to, because over here is that warm, fuzzy joy of following God's will. Over here is that, that dirty, you know, uh, uh, yucky feeling of, you know, I did it, but I wish I hadn't done it. And your spirit man delights to do the law of God after the inward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. And in verse 22, if you struggle with with, you know, sin and repent, sin and repent, always doing something wrong. But, you know, you, you come back to the Lord, but you didn't, you know, next week you do something wrong. This is the issue right here. This is the root cause of why you you're up and down, in and out, uh, good and bad on a regular basis, because you haven't learned to delight in the law of God. You haven't learned to, to, man, I've got to find out what your word says so I can do that. I've got to find out what your spirit wants me to do so I can do that. I love doing what God wants me to, to do. See, that, that's delighting in the law of God after your inward man. Uh, and, it, and you can train yourself to do that. It's just a decision. It's just a, a, a getting your mind renewed to loving to do what God wants you to do. Uh, is, is there any value in doing what God wants you to do? Well, sure there is. The, all, the only value of life is doing what God wants you to do. Everything else is, is going to burn up in the end. There's no value in ever following your flesh, not a single time. Yeah, but I got one over on them. You know, it, it's funny. People think they get one over on me on a regular basis. Oh, I got one over on him. No, you didn't. Uh, I'm a child of the living God. Even if in that moment you got an advantage over me, I'm still always going to come out ahead, always. I can never fail, and I can never be defeated. You think you got an advantage over me? Pfft, whatever, you know. God is on my side. Amen. Uh, you can't overcome me. Uh, I'm living in the presence of God. He said in verse 23, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. See, people think they're free when they're in sin. But the Bible says you're you're in ca your captivity. In other words, you can't help you, uh, to do that thing that, you know, people say, well, well I can't I, I can't help sinning. That means you're a slave to sin. That means you're a captive to that sin. That means that that, that sin is dictating to you what you're going to do every day. Instead of you doing what you want to do, I, I got to go do that thing. Well, why? Because I'm, uh, I'm a captive to that thing. No, no, see, when you're following God and your spirit, man, you're the most free. The world tries to tell you, and even many Christians try to tell you that, you know, oh, you're just, you're so in bondage. You're so religious. You're so, you know, you're so... Uh, just not free to do the fun things. The most free you will ever be is following God's perfect will in your life. Free, because you get to decide every day, I, my choice. When you're in bondage to sin, captive to sin, you're driven by that sin. You have to do that sin. Uh, and that, that means you don't have a choice. Uh, you, I mean, you really do have a choice, but, but in your mind, you don't think you have a choice. You've got to do it. See, uh, that's not the, the best, most free you'll be. The most free you'll ever be is following God's perfect will in your life. Uh, and see, uh, then you come down to, uh, uh, to 
finishing verse 23 there, uh, bringing me captivity and law of sin, which is in my members. So that sin is in your members, in your flesh, right? That's where it resides. Uh, and then Paul, uh, you know, I love verse 24 because this is, the, this is the cry of every Christian who has struggled with sin. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? You ever just, just almost cried that out? Will I ever get free from this thing? Will I ever get free from this sin that I'm doing? I'm such a wretched person. You ever felt that way? That's what Paul is, is crying out. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? Uh, who's, uh, and of course, we know the answer. And he answers the question in the very next verse. I thank God through Jesus Christ. That's how he's going to get free. Amen. But, but see, verse 24 is the cry of every Christian who's ever struggled with, with consistency in their spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, and, and they may go for days or weeks or months, sometimes even years, where they, they can't seem to find how to get out of that sin. Uh, and, and Paul is expressing that same frustration right here in verse 24. And that's why I love th- this chapter, because it's the reality of many Christians' life, that, that, that there, are, there are things that they are trying to get delivered from, but they have not found the place to get, to get it out. Uh, and the issue is uh, verse 22. The, the way out is to find verse 22, to delight with, uh, in the law of God a- after your inward man. And that's really what he repeats there in verse 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and of course, then, then we start, uh, and we're not going to go into it, but, but the very next verse is Romans chapter 8, 1. There's therefore now no what? Well, why did he say there's no condemnation? Because he just got done talking about chapter 7. See, we love in the church to condemn people that are in sin. But Paul said that there's no condemnation. That doesn't mean there's no guilt, right? Uh, there's still the guilt of whatever you did, but there's no condemnation, right? God's not going to condemn your eternal destiny for the sin that you've committed. Uh, he condemn, condemn you out of your eternal destiny with him because aren't you in Christ Jesus? If you're born again, you're in Christ Jesus, aren't you? Uh, and so, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, and that's where we've got to get to is we've got to get to where we're not walking after the flesh. And of course, chapter 8 then talks a lot about the flesh and the mind again, about uh, some more details in relation to that. Uh, and, uh, but in all of that, you know, I, I just want to encourage you, uh, get to the, if you're struggling with, with sin and repent, sin and repent, sin and repent, whatever it is. Sometimes it's anger issues. Sometimes it's your desires, what you're doing. Sometimes it's food. Sometimes it's, it's physical relations with, with the opposite sex. Sometimes it's physical relations with the same sex, right? Uh, whatever it is, uh, people are struggling with those things. Uh, and, you know, sometimes the church thinks that the way to get you out of that is to condemn you so much that you feel bad enough to, to change. Well, that's not the goal, is to condemn you for your sins, right? In fact, that's what Paul said in Romans 8.1. There's therefore now no con- condemnation. But see, that, that still doesn't remove the guilt of the things you're committing. So the answer to it is, is how do you get out of it? Well, the, end, the, 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 the start of that is go back to verse 22. To learn to delight in doing what God wants you to do. Uh, and that goes along with Galatians 5.16 that says uh, that if we walk in the Spirit, we will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. So instead of focusing on the sin, and that's what we do a lot of times, we focus on the sin. How do I get out of the sin? 
No, if, if you're involved in a lot of sin, the issue is not that, you're, that you need to remove that sin out of your life. You do, but that's not, that's not how you do it. The best way to do it is start to learn to delight in the law of God after the inward man. The way to do it is to learn how to walk in the Spirit. And, and, if, you, and if you learn to walk in the Spirit and learn to delight after the law of God in your inward man, the, the fruit of that is you're not committing any sin. Because if all you think about God, if all you think about is God all day, then how much do you think about sin? None. But you can not think about sin all day, but are you thinking about God? No, you might be thinking about mowing the grass or weed eating or, you know, baking bread or, you know, pulling up weeds out of your garden. I mean, you might be thinking about a lot of things, that, but it's not God, right? So, you, so we, don't, we don't just focus on removing the sin. We need to focus on delighting uh, after God. You'll do that, then the sin problem becomes a non-issue. Uh, but in the church, we love to beat you up for sin. You know, oh, you're a, you did that sin, you're a horrible person. Well, we, we already know that. You know, I mean, you ever felt good about your sin? I felt good about that sin right there. You know, that's a pretty good one. No, no Christian who's born again ever feels good about their sin uh, because uh, their spirit man is, is, is displeased with sin. Amen? Uh, and so, so uh, we want to get to where... Uh, if we'll follow after the Spirit of God and delight to do the law of God after our inward man, see that our minds won't faint because our mind is connected with our spirit man. And, oh, yeah, I want to do, I, I, delight, I, I delight after the Lord. I love doing what God wants me to do. I love praying or reading the Word or just, just uh, thinking about Him, meditating on Him. It doesn't have to be something super spiritual, right, where, you know, you're, you're in, floating on cloud nine all the time. Uh, it's what's your focus, right? To delight is part of your soulless man, right? To delight after the law of God. Uh, but it's after the inward, inward man. So whatever your spirit is telling you to do, that's what you delight in doing. In uh, walking in the spirit, according to Galatians 5.16, all that means is you are aware of your spirit man, that you, that you yield to your spirit man, walking in the spirit, walking in whatever the spirit of God wants you to do. So, so, I mean, you may be doing something natural, but you've always got your ear to your spirit man. You've always got your attention to, uh, uh, just in case, you know, I may, I may be mowing, but, you know, my spirit man may, hey, there's a giant hole up there. Don't run over, right? Uh, you're always aware of, of the presence of your spirit. That's what walking in the spirit means, that you, that you are aware of your presence of your spirit and the presence of the spirit of God in your life all the time. And if you live that way, and he said you can do that, in fact, uh, I, I know we got to go, but turn, turn over to uh, Galatians chapter 5. We read uh, verse 16 there. Well, we didn't read it. We quoted it there. For this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Uh, but he says down in verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So you can get to a point in your life where you're just walking in the Spirit. And you're just as a regular Joe. I mean, you're not this super, you know, crying all the time or, you know, this super, you know, praying all the time or quoting Bible all the time. Uh, you know, people like to put up this front of I got to look like a certain thing to, to be a Christian. No, you can have a good time, laugh and enjoy life. Uh, I mean, he made us in this life, didn't he? Amen. Uh, but see, uh, if you want to do this, if you want to get out of this stuff, then live in the spirit, but also walk in the spirit. Amen. Uh, and, and that will keep your mind from fainting. Because once your mind faints, then you're just going to go with whatever your flesh wants you to do. But if your mind has stayed 
to doing the, and, and delighting after the law of God, your mind will never faint. And, and that, that, that thought to do that sin will come to your mind and you'll be like, I can't do I, I don't have time to do that. I've got to delight in the law of God. And your mind will never faint. And, and, and so you do have the potential to live a life without sin, but the best way to do it is, is, to, is, is to be enveloped in delighting to do the law of God after your inward man instead of having the list of bad things Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Well, then there's always a list because there's always something new bad that comes along. Amen. If you if you delight to do to follow after the law of God in your inner man, uh, you won't even think about those things. Amen. And that's not pie in the sky that you can do that today. You can start on that path today. And, and there's not a single thing you've got to give up because if you're if you're delighting after the law of God, then those things aren't even a desire anymore. It just, go, it just fades away. Uh, and so instead of, instead of trying to force the issue and try to manhandle the sin, you need to learn how to walk in the Spirit more and to, to delight after the law of God in your inward man. And the fruit of that then, according to Galatians 5.16, is you're not committing the lust of the flesh. He didn't say the lust of the flesh goes away. It's still there. But you're delighting so much in doing, following after God that you're not, you don't have time to do those things. You have no desire to do those things, right? Your mind hasn't fainted. Well, I've got to do that terrible thing. Uh, and that's a much better solution than, than lists of sins and, uh, that's going to send you to hell every time and, beat, and, and, and the church using, church using sin and, and condemnation to force you into, into uh, uh, obedience. Uh, well, we don't use condemnation and guilt to beat you and to force you into obedience. We, are, we obey the law of God because we delight in the law of God. We love doing God's will. We love doing whatever God wants us to do. And that's a much better solution than just beating up over the head every time you commit a sin. Amen. Uh, and so let's pray and we thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you, Father, for the, for the blessings of heaven. We thank you, Father, that we can live a life that we don't faint in our minds and, and just fall into sin every day. Father, we have strong minds, Father. We have strong spirits. And we delight uh, uh, after the law of God in our inward man, Father. Our spirit man loves to do your will. Our spirit man loves to do your word. Uh, and it's a good thing, Father. Uh, and so, Lord, we thank you that we can be full of joy and full of happiness every day. Uh, and, Father, when, when those thoughts come, uh, we'll recognize those, those desires of the flesh and realize, Lord, I, I, I don't have time to do that. I, I, I have to do your will. I've got to do what you want me to do. Uh, and Lord, it, it becomes a non-issue. And so, Father, we thank you that you'll help us with that. We thank you that we will be successful in walking after your spirit and doing things that delight you, Father. And we give you the praise for these things and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. There, just, there were just a couple more things I wanted to go over that because... I think it'd be helpful because I know in reality that a lot of Christians suffer in this area. A lot of Christians struggle in the area of just doing right. Um, uh, and a lot of times what they'll do is just they'll just faint entirely in their minds and leave church, leave God, leave everything. And what they've done is just fainted entirely in their minds instead of realizing, you know, Lord, I, I can't do this. I can't overcome. Uh, and if they'll do that, it actually becomes pretty easy to do it. Amen. It's not even a struggle. Uh, and so, but we take, it takes some training to get there. Amen. So, uh, it's the first Sunday of the month and we usually receive uh, communion just, uh, just as a, um, 
as our own tradition there. Uh, and so uh, if we can get ready to receive communion, then I'm going to re- read a verse here out of uh, Matthew chapter 26. Uh, and this is uh, uh, here with the Lord Jesus. And it says in verse 26, uh, as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and break it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body. So Jesus said that the bread that we eat here now, now it used to be you know, in some places they still do. They have a loaf of bread and you tear off a piece, you know, and, and nothing wrong with that. It just uh, it gets to be a little bit uh, easier to to have uh, bread that's already pre-cut up for us there and uh, i don't have a problem either way you know some people get offended about things and um it just it just is what it is right it's still bread and we and it represents the body of the lord jesus and it said take eat this is my body and it says he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and saying drink ye all of it for this is my blood talking about what we drink there of the new testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins so uh, we know, according to the word of God, that, that the bread represents his body. And so whatever he paid for in his body, then we have access to. Right. Uh, and so what did he pay for in his body? What what did his stripes pay for? They paid for healing. Right. Uh, and so um, so we thank God for that. Amen. Uh, and, and really, uh, primarily, that, that's what um, there were some other things going on with the thorns, you know, that were also a part of his body there. Uh, but primarily, when he's talking about his body, he's talking about the healing uh, of our bodies. Uh, and for the Lord to spend, put that much emphasis, to me, that's a pretty big emphasis because he only emphasized two areas, right? His body and the blood. He didn't talk about the thorns. He didn't talk about being separated from God the Father. He didn't talk about, you know, uh, going to hell after he died for three days and three nights. He didn't talk about other aspects of what he suffered. He focused only on these two areas, his, uh, his uh, body uh, and his blood. Uh, and so uh, he could have done anything, but uh, he felt like these were two areas that he needed to focus on. So it doesn't cover all aspects of redemption, but there's two things that he wanted us to remind us to do these things as often as we gather together uh, and remind ourselves for these things. So let's pray and thank the Lord for, uh, for these two parts of communion today. So Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather together as your people, Father, and receive communion. Father, we thank you that your body was uh, given to us uh, and broken for us and beaten for us. Father, so that we can live days entirely free from sickness and disease. And so, Father, we choose to believe that. We choose to believe that that your body paid for every sickness and every disease ever known to man, Father, and even ones that we don't know yet, uh, they've been paid for. And so we can live free from disease all of our lives. And we thank you for that, Father, and we receive it by faith in Jesus' name. And Father, you said that this uh, juice represents the blood of Jesus uh, given to us, Father, for the remission of our sins, for the removal and the replacement of our sins. And so, Father, we, we can receive this, this juice, Father, representing your blood, and stand before you clean, free from sin, because of what you've done for us. And not, not Father, what we've done or what we haven't done, but what you've done. And so, Father, by faith, we receive this juice, and we thank you that we stand before you clean, washed in your blood. In Jesus' name. Well, all right. Praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. We thank him for 
um, the things that he's done for us. Amen. And uh, I, I'm glad that we get to do this in remembrance of what he's done for us. Uh, and so, um, you know, it's a good place to start, especially, you know, if you've struggled in some of these areas we've talked about, you know, it's a good place to start with communion because it reminds you that the, it's the blood of Jesus that paid for your sins, not your own um, uh, your own uh, sacrifices. Amen. Sometimes, well, you know, I've made I've done sin, so I'm going to go do a sacrifice to the Lord. I'm going to give up this or give up that. And we try to do our own sacrifices and uh, it's never going to equate to the value of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, don't forget, uh, uh, in two weeks, we're going to have the uh, yard sale. So actually, less than two weeks now, right? We'll come ahead, Mr. Jared. And, um, uh, and so, and remember, everything's free, right? So if you're, if you're hoping to get something for something, that not, you don't want to bring it to this, right? We're going to give it all away free, right? Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, none of my business. If you want to sell it, fine. You know, you sell it, you do whatever you want. Put it on Facebook, whatever, sell it. None of my, you know, it's fine, right? It's not even, not, not, not wrong. But we're giving it away. We want to be a blessing to the to the community, uh, and just as an outreach to them, and um, that'll be a good way to bless them and and uh, bless us too, right? Uh, and so, because Jesus said it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive, and so we're actually coming out ahead, you know, uh, and uh, and so you know all the people that come in there, you know, they're there to help us out, right? And uh, so they think we're there to help them, but they're 100 percent wrong. They're there to help us, you know. Uh, and so we're going to be completely, totally selfish about that and, and allow the Lord to bless us for us doing that. Amen. So that'll be two weeks from uh, yesterday at, the, at 8 a.m. And um, we'll get some banners and all that stuff taken care of between now and then. So y'all be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord. And uh, well, you're dismissed. <laughs>